Avcan podcast, a series where we talk about topics related to avalanche safety, snow science, and current avalanche conditions across Avalanche Canada's forecast regions. I'm Sarah Taylor, Digital Content Coordinator at Avalanche Canada, and I'm your host today. Today's episode is all about the early season and how those conditions can change the decisions we make in the backcountry. We're joined by Tyson Retty, a member of our forecast team and guide, who's full of helpful information on how we can best manage what can be a tricky time of year. Welcome, Tyson. Morning, Sarah. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, so I guess the first question we should ask is, how is traveling in the early season different from midwinter? Are there different hazards to look for? Yeah, great question. Um, the big difference, I think, is uh, the general snowpack depth. Um, as you start your day off below tree line, you're sledding or ski touring your way up. Um, initially, the hazards are, are going to predominantly be um, just the, the low snowpack, rocks, trees, stumps, all those natural hazards are much closer to the surface. Um, really easy to damage your sled early season, easy to blow a knee if you're a skier, a snowboarder, that type of thing. And so um, that's something that I'm, I'm really uh, thinking about when heading out early season. Yeah, that makes sense. Obviously, the snowpack's that much thinner. Are the trees and rocks and creeks, are they the only risks that we need to be thinking about or is there other stuff? Yeah, there's definitely other hazards. As we gain uh, elevation, the hazards do start to change. Um, another hazard I'm really thinking about early season is crevasses on glaciers. Um, you know, if we're talking about a October, November, December snowpack, um, bridges are still forming there's lots of crevasses that could potentially be just barely covered and that bridge won't support your weight um you know if you're on the coast where the snowpack builds up a little bit earlier in the season builds faster maybe crevasses are starting to be bridged um if you're out here where i'm at in the columbia valley almost definitely they are not um and then once we get up into the, the fatter snowpack areas, upper tree line, alpine, that type of thing, um, now we got to start thinking about avalanche hazard once again. Uh, lower down, it's it's definitely possible this time of year that the snowpack is below threshold. But once you get into the alpine, um, October, November, early December, that type of thing, we're probably already seeing lots of areas that are above threshold and, and avalanche hazard is a, is a thing to think about for sure. Just really quickly, could you explain a little bit about what we mean by threshold when we say above threshold or below threshold? Yeah, sure. So when when you hear the phrase below threshold, um, that's a way of saying that the snowpack is not yet deep enough uh, to produce avalanches. So um, the roughness in the terrain, vegetation, things like that are still providing enough disruption in the snowpack, enough anchoring that um, avalanching is, is not possible yet. And then once we start using terms like above threshold, that means that the snowpack is substantial enough that avalanches are possible. Um, and within that, um, you really need to think about um, what is laying under the snowpack if you're trying to determine what is above or below threshold. So when you're below tree line early season, um, there could still be the odd area that is above threshold. So areas where we have like smooth, grassy um, slopes underneath, smooth rock, that type of thing. Those are areas that will become above threshold um, with much less snow. Totally. That old saying, right? If there's enough to ride, there's enough to slide. Yeah, exactly. Like if it's good skiing it, it, or good sledding, it's it's going to be above threshold. If you're really having to tiptoe around between rocks and logs and small trees and stuff like that, um, it's potentially uh, still below threshold. Great. Thank you. 
So um, I have a question about how we know what kind of terrain might be under the snow. So once the snow has fallen, it's it's obviously quite hard to to see. Do you have any tips for people to know what they might be riding over the top of? Yeah, sure. Um, there's a couple different tools you can use. Um, one is the, the easiest one and it's prior knowledge. So if you're out skiing or sledding in areas where you hike or hunt or something like that in the summer, you may have some you know knowledge of, of what that terrain looks like without snow. Um, another one um, is topographic maps, especially if we're wanting to know if we're traveling on a glacier or not. Uh, most topographic maps will have glaciated terrain shaded in with a really light blue color, um, lighter than the color they use for lakes and rivers and things like that. Um, so that's a really good tool if you're heading into the Alpine and you want to know if you're traveling on a glacier or not. Um, looking at a topographic map beforehand and then taking a, a digital mapping tool into you uh, with you into the mountains, um, you know, your smartphone, that type of thing. A probe can help you a little bit, but in order to really have a, a good understanding of everything that's underneath you as you're skiing, you'd have to probe a lot. So there are some limitations to what that tool can do for you in terms of telling you what's under the snow, but it's definitely a great tool for getting an idea of snowpack depth and getting a bit of a better handle on whether or not something may or may not be um, below threshold. And in saying that, um, you know, there's a ton of um, variability in snowpack depth throughout the terrain. So if you're going to be using your probe to make these types of assessments, you want to be probing quite frequently. They're great tips. Thank you. Um, you mentioned there about glaciated terrain. Is that something we need to be especially cautious about at this time of year? Yeah, you bet. Um, I am pretty hesitant to go traveling around on glaciers early season. As I mentioned earlier, um, bridges are unlikely to be able to support your weight. Um, and so, yeah, it, it makes for um, pretty hazardous travel. And I, I generally avoid glaciers uh, early season. That's a really good tip because I think sometimes it's easy to see the glaciers as the places that collect snow first and, you know, it might be easy to see them as good targets for early season. So it's really good to know that that might not be a great option. Once we get into areas that are above threshold, what sort of avalanche problems might we be seeing in this early season period? Um, wind slabs, storm slabs, uh, dry loose avalanches, that type of thing. Um, really early in the season, um, in many places, we won't have a substantial enough snowpack yet to have persistent slab problems. Um, they're very much developing, but generally early season, we're going to be concerned more about um, new snow avalanche problems. Great. So those kind of problems that we get in like the upper snowpack in the winter, they're the ones that are going to be the predominant problems in the early season, I guess. Um, when you talk about how persistent problems might be setting up for the season, what kinds of things might cause that? So what kind of conditions might we be seeing now that could hint at problems later on in the year? Yeah, good question. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll use the example of, of last season. Um, we had some early season snowfall, uh, which was followed by um, a couple of weeks of cold and dry. So that new snow that fell then had, um, you know, a couple of weeks to really facet out. Um, and then those facets were buried by the season's snowpack and that, um, is a kind of a, a brief uh, look at what resulted in our deep persistent slab problem that we were concerned about for most of last season. Um, and so as you're uh, traveling around early season, it's a good opportunity to make some observations, look at, you know, where are we potentially going to have 
um, those types of, uh, of basal instabilities. Awesome. That's really good to know. So in the early season, we don't have forecasts running for most regions. Um, where can people find information and share information about what they're seeing in the mountains? Um, one of the best resources right now for getting information on what's going on in the mountains is the Mountain Information Network. Um, I would definitely encourage anyone going out there to take a look at that before they head out, as well as when they get back from a day in the mountains. Um, it'd be great if people would submit their observations to the Mountain Information Network. Um, as a forecaster, that's a tool that I'll rely on pretty heavily as we start getting into the forecasting season and a lot of professional operators um, are not yet submitting their reports. We we rely pretty heavily on uh, on input from the public. Yeah, so I mean, I know that the forecasters, they do use those mins and they look at pretty much every min that gets posted, right? Yep, yep, absolutely. We've got uh, four to six forecasters on every day and they are all scouring them in for um, for the bits and pieces that we need to write a good forecast. Yeah, super important tool. And you can find that at avalanche.ca or on the app. Yeah, you bet. Another great resource for people to check out uh, when they're doing some trip planning is the Mountain Conditions Report, MCR. And so these are reports that are made by professional guides that are out in the mountains. Yeah, super helpful tool. And quite often they are longer formats than some of the mins. So there's a little more, more information in there, I think, sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. So other than the MIN and the mountain conditions reports and other places where you might find information on avalanche.ca about what's happening out there, what other tools can people use uh, to help them make safe decisions if they're planning to head into the backcountry? Another great trip planning tool for this time of year is the Dangerator. Um, and essentially the Dangerator is a tool uh, to be used when you're in an area where avalanche forecasts are not available or you're in an area where we haven't started forecasting for yet. And essentially what it is, it's a it's a flow chart. Um, you start out by assigning the terrain that you're heading into a considerable danger rating. And then it asks you several questions. And based on your answers to the questions, it'll tell you to either bump hazard up to high, keep it at considerable or bump it down to moderate. And this is a great tool to use in conjunction with the evaluator because the trip planner and the slope assessment tool require that you have a danger rating. That sounds super helpful. And and I guess as well as using this in early season before forecasts, you could also use this to ride in an area we don't forecast for. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So there's certainly places in BC where we don't currently have a forecast available, parts of Alberta, that sort of thing. Um, and absolutely, that's a that's a tool that you're maybe using on a daily basis throughout the season. Oh, that sounds so handy to know where that is. You can find that on avalanche.ca. As well as, as having the information to go and making sure that we've made smart decisions and we know everything that we can know about heading out, what other things do people need to be thinking about before they head out for the first time? Are there any other things that we need to be more careful to think about? Yeah, go through all your gear that you uh, put away in the spring. Make sure you got fresh batteries in your transceiver. You know, test out your probe and shovel, make sure that those tools are in good shape, go through your pack, make sure that you replenish any of your emergency items. So fire starter, you might have used first aid equipment, batteries in your headlamp, all that good stuff. Uh, you know, make sure your skins are going to stick to your skis when you get out there. You know, if you're a sledder, do a once over on your machine, make sure everything's in good working order. You don't want to get out there and, you know, then find that there was an easy fix you could have done at home and now you're trying to do it in the field. Uh, transceiver. 
could potentially need a firmware update as well as uh, airbags uh, need to be updated as well. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for all the top tips. I feel a lot more prepared for early season now. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, right on. I appreciate you having me on the show. Thanks. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can find more episodes wherever you usually get your podcasts. You can also join us throughout the season for our free webinar series. Find out more at avalanche.ca. If you've got questions about the topic of today's webinar, get in touch with us at communications at avalanche.ca. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope to see you next time.